The scripture reading is from Hebrews chapter 6, verse 10 to 20. For God is not unjust so as to forget your work and the love that which you have shown toward his name in having ministered and in still ministering to the saints. And we desire that each one of you show the same diligence so as to realize the full assurance of hope until the end so that you will not be sluggish but imitators of those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. For when God made the promise to Abraham, since he could swear by no one greater, he swore by himself, saying, I will surely bless you, and I will surely multiply you. And so, having patiently waited, he obtained the promise. For men swear by one greater than themselves, and with them an oath given as confirmation is an end of every dispute. In the same way, God, desiring even more to show to the ears of the promise, the unchangeableness of his purpose, interposed with an oath, so that by two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we who have taken the refuge would have strong encouragement to take hold of the hope set before us. This hope we have, as an anchor of the soul, a hope both sure and steadfast, and one which enters within the veil, where Jesus has entered as a forerunner for us, having become a high priest forever according to the order of Melchizedek. Praise God, thank you. Jocelyn, thank you for the reading. Welcome everyone. Um, Hi. Thank you. <laughs> uh, Linda and I and, uh, and Pastor Chloe have been away most of the week at a conference down uh, in the Gold Coast, which we were blessed and caught up with many of our friends and some uh, friends who are ministers. I lost my voice very, very much. Uh, so we are trusting God and uh, he's come through. Amen. Well, voice today. Uh, we're doing a series on, uh, on um, well, this year is a year of increasing faith and uh, abounding in love because Paul said to the church in Thessalonica, he's glad that they have an ever increasing faith or greatly increasing faith and that they abound in love. So we abound in love. Uh, that means we sort of bound around loving each other. <laughs> so, uh, you know, so if someone comes up to you and, you know, do that, that's what they're doing. They're putting it into action and abounding in love. But we have an ever increasing faith. That means where we are uh, today is not where we were yesterday. Where we'll be tomorrow is not where we are today. I mean. And uh, how we can trust God and believe God for the good things He has for us should be increasing because our knowledge of His Word and His promises and our relationship with Him should be strengthened so that we have uh, an increasing faith. It means there's going to be things that come against us today and tomorrow which would have thrown us a month or two ago, but we're going to laugh at it. You know, ha, ha, ha. Ha, ha, ha. I know God's got this. Ha, 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 ha. And the devil's going to try and scare you. Amen. Amen, Margaret. The devil's going to try and scare you, and you're going to laugh in his face. Because you're going to say, ha, you know, I didn't have faith for this a month ago, but I've got it today. Because I have an ever-increasing faith. And I read my Bible. Yes. Chapter a day, five days a week, because I go to Redeemer Coast. <laughs> and you know, Pastor knows. <laughs> no, it doesn't. <laughs> Praise God. If you have got uh, this with you, and uh, uh, 
Sister Margaret's got a few. Thank you, Margaret. What a blessing you are. What a blessing our helpers are. Let's give them a clap. Oh, yeah. that haven't been here for a little while and they don't have one of these and they'll need it so they'll go, they, they, they're shy but just walk down and give it to them they don't have one I have one at home this is our study series I was actually showing this to Reverend Robert Fenske uh, who's the director of Caris uh, Angel Robert Ministries Australia he was so excited that we're doing this because of the need that we all have to go home and meditate on God's word after we've heard it you know, if you don't meditate on the word or the seed that you've received, you will revert to the situation you were before you heard it. So, uh, Satan comes, the Bible says, and tests you for the word's sake. So, we have uh, gone to the effort of doing these, and I, I trust that uh, many of you are using them for you to go home and meditate on the scriptures, take your notes, and go over it again so it settles. The Bible says that Satan will try and confuse you. And that uh, the way he steals the seed is by creating confusion or lack of understanding if you don't understand it. That word understanding means, this from the parable of the sower, means you've joined the dots. So you've heard the word, you've received it, accepted it being true, and then you've worked out how it applies to your life. So we do that to help you. Isn't that a blessing? Yeah. All right, hallelujah. So we are, are looking, uh, the, the topic is uh, foundations for a strong faith. If you're going to trust, um, you know, you do a bit of uh, abseiling or whatever you call it, don't you? Chrissy, Chrissy's going to work out one day. She doesn't want to be picked on. She shouldn't sit there. It's <laughs> <laughs> the fastest way to get the keyboard. <laughs> but, uh, you know, she does some abseiling and it's throwing herself off cliff. And, you know, you want to make sure, do you, when you go on, you check that it's it's uh, in, in that rock and yeah. the backup's in that rock, you know, and then you check your harness that's done up properly and, you check your D and you check your figure eight. I don't use figure eights anymore. That's putting me back, isn't it? <laughs> Moving back. Uh, you use a figure eight, you check them all. You probably put a little tuner on it. Just a yeah. Make sure, you know, you should, shouldn't you? In case it's been dropped. Yeah. And the tuner tells you you've got to get the right resonance. That means it doesn't have a crack. So because you know that that, that rock where you plugged in and that harness and that belts your foundation. Well, we need strong foundations for faith. Yeah. All right. So we talked about, uh, the first couple of weeks, we talked about um, how God has uh, called us to rule and reign in life. And so we're not to apologize when we want to kick the devil in the head. Yeah. We don't apologize, we laugh. All right? There's a ha ha ha. Mark Taylor used to have a song, and, and I'm sure he made it up to himself. And the way my voice is, which my voice is holding out, praise God, but I sound a bit like Clark Taylor. Anyone remember Clark Taylor? An Australian evangelist. He had this, uh, he had this song, he goes, Kick the devil in the head, praise the Lord. Kick the devil in the head, praise the Lord. Well, you need a strong foundation for our faith because he will test you. You've got to know where to stand. So the fact that uh, God wants us to rule and reign in life, that means it's his will for us to dominate the devil and dominate our circumstances, not dominate other people, husbands, wives, and brothers, sisters, uh, but in our sphere of influence to dominate. So we don't apologize for that. We don't apologize for the fact that when circumstances come against us, we stand. We don't apologize for the fact that uh, there's no weapon that will form against us that can prosper. So whatever weapon they want to throw at us, it's not going to prosper. How do I know it's going to, not going to prosper? Because it's come against me. If it's come against me, it's not going to prosper. Because God says no weapon. I don't care what it is, what he brings my way. 
It's not going to prosper. That means it's not going to achieve what it's set out to do. It might make a bit of noise, it might throw a few symptoms my way, it might do this and that, but it won't achieve what it's accomplished to do because it's come at me and the greater one indwells me. So then we move on and we've been talking about for the last week and this week is the fact that we have a God who keeps covenant, who makes covenant and keeps covenant. Many other reasons we've got that we'll be covering the next month or two, but they're founded on this word, covenant. God chose to make covenant with us. And uh, everything else that we've got, the word of God, the promises of God, the name of Jesus, the Holy Spirit, access to access to the Father, uh, all those are based on this word covenant. Why God chose to make a covenant with man. So today we're going to talk about the purpose of a covenant. Why, and we touched on last week, we touched on the Abrahamic covenant and what it meant and how they used to uh, you know, mixed blood and all that and so they said my life is your life and your life is my life and, and uh, how uh, for the uh, the Arabics uh, the blood covenant was close to them we have a saying blood is thicker than water but the, the Middle East they have a saying blood is thicker than milk and uh, the Bible says there is a friend who is closer than a brother and this covenant is closer even than family ties because it's God's family yeah and so when we're respecting the covenant he's made, he's, we're respecting the terms and conditions that he set up his family. Praise God. So uh, we're going to look at why God uh, needed to or wanted to, both those things, make covenant with us, what the purpose of it was, and just some things if we get time to it. If we don't, we'll do it next week. We get time to uh, talk about uh, what benefits, what the main benefits we get from this covenant. Praise God. So you're going to believe with me? that God will reveal his word while well, I'm going to pray after. That was all free. That was by way of introduction. <laughs> Father God, we thank you, Lord, for the honour and privilege of having your word, which is your thoughts, your heart towards us. And Father, we thank you also for your Holy Spirit, your living, dwelling presence with us, in us and upon us here. We thank you, Lord, that you open the eyes of our understanding. And if you agree with that, say Amen. I believe we're, we've got to build up a church, especially in these times, that just walking in here, uh, you come under a protection and uh, sickness flees, devil flees, oppression flees, poverty flees, because you're in our company. All right? And they are not welcome here. Especially this depression thing. What a lie. What a lie. What a lie from the pit of hell. But we all deal with it, don't we? Just a lie. Uh-huh. <laughs> I think, in, you know, when we're ruling and reigning with Christ in the millennia, we're going to look back and think, how dumb was it me to get depressed? <laughs> how silly that was. But I know we deal with it. And I tell you, it's chemicals, but it's just chemicals that are released by other thoughts and other beliefs. It's, it's not chemicals. You, you control that. Start worshipping God. Start giving him thanks. Start calling the end uh, uh, into being. Hallelujah. I know that I'm going to win. I might as well start winning now. <laughs> well, turn with me, please, in your Bibles to Genesis chapter 1. You might as well go back to the very beginning as to why God wanted a covenant with us, needed a covenant. I, in the past, I've rushed through and I've tended to rush through things. I'm not going to rush through today. We've got all the time uh, that we need. So who's uh, got their lunch on in the oven? No, I don't mean that. I mean, <laughs> we'll take weeks. I remember one, one English preacher I heard and heard, and he's a very well-known preacher. He said, uh, in the charismatic renewal, so 
back in the day the Holy Spirit started to move amongst the uh, non-Pentecostals. Isn't that amazing, the height of him? Just to think. I'm going to pull out my spirit, the Bible says, on men and women. Why women? If they can't speak. <laughs> women will prophesy, but not in church. Uh, pull out my spirit. The young men will... Uh, uh, the young men will have visions. And the, the young men will dream dreams. Is it? Old men will see. Yeah, old men will have visions. Yeah. Old men will have visions. Young men will see dreams. Well, Chloe's been telling me about visions she's been having, but I'm still dreaming dreams. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I'm still young. Thank you. Did you say it's not a joke? Have I got to explain it? <laughs> you know, it's a good joke if Chloe snorts. It's right up there. <laughs> oh, where was I? Okay, yeah, so we'll, we'll just take whatever time it takes for the Lord to get to through us and then we'll just pick up where we left off next week. Is that all right? Yeah, good. So in Genesis 1, and it's always good to go back to the foundations of things. And uh, you got it yet? Genesis 1, turn to my notes. We have a covenant keeping God. Genesis 1, verse 26. A lot of the things that are explained in Genesis are metaphorical, a lot of them are symbolic, but that doesn't mean they're not real. It just means that our knowledge and our language can't necessarily cope with it. So God uses symbols. Um, but uh, and, and I believe in a literal Adam and Eve. <clears throat> I believe in a literal Satan. I believe in the temptation and the fall of man. Because God's word says it. how it went on, what that tree was, I don't know. I don't know that it was a tree of the knowledge of good and evil, which means that Adam and Eve have a choice to judge others and judge themselves or to believe God's judgment on them. The knowledge, eating from, thinking, meditating on, uh, what's right and wrong, and judging themselves by that. By their own judgment, I should say, not by God's judgment. So they went around judging. You know they did, because when they fall, the first thing they knew is that they were inadequate. And so they covered themselves with their own works and their own efforts. I'm just saying that to say there's a lot of things um, that we can get from it, because it's in the beginning. So, verse 26, 1 verse 26. Um, if you can't uh, find the book of Genesis, it comes directly after the book of contents. <laughs> okay? It says, then God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. likeness. So just, we're just there, we can just stop there. Let us make man in our image. There's plenty of other uh, spiritual and non-spiritual creations. There's cows and dogs and all that sort of stuff. And there was angels, but none of them were made in the image of God. Uh, and then uh, in our image we made them. And then he says, what we were made for according to our likeness then allow them to rule over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the sky, the cattle of the earth, and to have every creeping thing, uh, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. Allow them to rule, allow them to have dominion. <coughs> Who's renting a property? Who's got a property rental? That's a blessing, because it's pretty scarce at the moment. You think it's a blessing? No one else has got a rental property. Praise God. Okay. Well, that rent is a lease, isn't it? And actually, the, the person who arranged for that house to be built or house to be bought uh, and who owns it, whose name's on the title, they own it. But that lease gives it to you guaranteed for a period of time, doesn't it? So you can do whatever 
in that house you want to do within the terms of that lease. And they can't even come on the property. They own it. They can't even come on the property without asking your permission and for it being convenient to you. So in a sense, you rule and reign in that house within the terms of the lease. So when God said, I give man dominion, he gave man authority on the earth. And we often blame God, we call them uh, acts of God when things happen, but really they're acts of often, the acts of neglect of man. Let me explain that a bit better, I guess, obviously, because no one's jumping up and down. Uh, so, uh, you know, the insurance people, you know, bad things, disaster happens. Um, and they call them acts of God when they're not explainable. But in fact, the reason that a lot of stuff has been permitted on the earth or allowed to come on the earth is because Adam and Eve fell and they sold their dominion. The Bible calls Satan the God of this earth. God wouldn't call anyone that if there wasn't a real reason to that. So everything that's going around that is not of God's will is altered by Satan. It's permitted by God, but altered by Satan. Yeah. All right, you understand that? Yeah, well, God permits it. Yeah, that doesn't mean he wants it. And it doesn't mean it will be. There's a lot of things going on now. They won't will be in heaven. All right? So God gave uh, man dominion on the face of the earth, and we have that. Now, whether we know it and the extent that we use it, you know, that doesn't mean it wasn't given to us. True? Yeah. All right. And, uh, you know, I can remember um, years ago I was uh, working at a college in, in Canberra and uh, handing out some money, you know, to, to buy things at different departments. And uh, I was just aware of the different competing things in the budget and I really didn't want to sort of impose on me. And then the head of the department, I was just a media teacher, philatology teacher at this stage. And they said, Grant, your, your job is to go and argue for your case. Uh, they're paying you to present your case to the bosses. So I wrote up this uh, 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 case um, for I wanted a, a suite of Apple Macs to do video editing. And that cost was going to be, that was a lot of money back then. And I presented it and I won it. We had this, we had the, like, the best uh, media suite probably in Canberra at that stage because that was my area of domain. It had been given to me. Now, I didn't realize that I could go and argue for that. But when I went and argued for that, thank you, your turn this morning. When I went and argued for that, I won the case and uh, we got what we needed in our department. Well, you've got a department you're looking after. It's your family, it's your job, it's your home. God's given you, you need to argue your case. You need to actually present the case to God. He says, argue your case to me. Present your case. So he gave us dominion. All right. But that also meant, that also meant that God, uh, so person who owns your house that you're renting, uh, for them to come and move in the area you're renting, they ask permission. Don't they? So, the, so uh, John Wesley, the founder of the Methodist Church, remember the Methodists? They now become the Uniting Church. Some churches are famous for what they, not knowing what they believe. We're famous for what we believe. 
unfortunately some churches now are famous for. But the Methodists have, were very strong in a few things. John Wesley, uh, they say he was five foot eleven and a half. How tall are you, Donnie? Five Five foot one. Well, you just towered over John Wesley. Four. With heels, five foot one, yeah. Well, John Wesley was uh, four, sorry, John Wesley was four foot eleven and a half. No, no, five foot, four foot eleven and a half, I think. But the Methodists say he was five foot. John Wesley, the foundation, you're going to explain it on the way home. He was four foot eleven and a half. He founded the Methodist church, so the Methodists said he was five foot. <laughs> So God had to make covenant with people to get permission. So John Wesley says it seems God cannot or will not move on the earth unless he's asked. That was John Wesley. It wasn't some raving Pentecostal. That was John Wesley. He said it appears God won't move on, on the earth unless he's asked. Why? Because he's given you dominion and he, God, God respects authority. He expects you to respect authority. God asks you to do something. But he respects authority if he's delegated it. And so God decided that he would make covenant with man. And we know, uh, we talked about last week, the different forms of that sort of covenant and uh, different ways in which they took that. They swap blood very often. They, they said that my life is in my blood. We're going to mix it. That means if someone takes your life, they're going to take my life. And they'd exchange promises. And uh, then there was blessings and curses that were given. Uh, if you hold on to this covenant, these blessings will happen to you. And if you neglect this covenant, these curses will happen to you. So when you, if you want to read the blessing and curses, of the covenant that God made. They're all through the Bible, but a, a good one to read is, is uh, Deuteronomy 28. Be blessed in the city, be blessed in the country, blessed will be the flower of your kneading bowl, blessed will be the fruit of your vines, blessed will be your cows in the field, blessed and all those things. And then there's the curses. Now, it's not God that brings it upon you, those curses, but Satan will move. If we're not holding in faith to our covenant, Satan will move on your life to bring those things to pass. All right, so God made covenant with us. So the first purpose that God made covenant is so that he would have permission to move in your life. All right? And so he made this covenant in which he, he, he uh, asked, he said, I'm going to through Abraham, remember? And uh, he said, uh, cut the cow down the middle and then uh, all the other animals. And then Abraham went to a deep sleep and he said, the smoke or the Bell, pot of coal and smoke moved through it uh, while I, in the middle of the night, which means God actually, because what would happen if I was making covenant with you, you know, we'd find a sheep, we'd split it down the middle and we'd, and blood would be everywhere and I'd walk through it because what would that, what happened there is what's going to happen to me if I break the covenant and then you'd walk through it and then what happened there is what's going to happen to you. Abraham didn't walk through it. God walked through it. Because thousands of years later, God was going to honor Abraham's side of the covenant in Christ. So God made his covenant so that he can deal with us. 
and as many blessings and curse he made with it. I'm going to flip over my right page here. He wanted to make partners with us. Just um, 1 Corinthians 3 9. I think I may have it there, do I? But 1 Corinthians 3 9 says that we are God's co laborers, we are God's partners in ministry. He wants to move and bless other people, He uses you. Where you go, Jesus goes. Your hands are his hands. When you walk somewhere, the presence of God walks somewhere. And so, God, we are his co-laborers. Now, Jesus is the head. We are the body. How many heads came here without bodies today? None. <laughs> and so, Jesus don't go nowhere without his body. Jesus don't do nothing on the earth. That's what they call a double neck and negative. It's terrible English. It's American for being emphasizing something. <laughs> Jesus don't do nothing on the earth without his body. So God partnered with us to be uh, to have a co-laborer who would then bring about his kingdom on the earth. It, it, and when we understand the covenant, it's not our works, it's not our strength, it's not our might, it's not even what we want. We just yield to him and he does it, but he needed a partner. And all that partner had to do was to trust him. Yeah. So I said, we are his co-laborers. Have you ever wondered uh, why Jesus said, whatever you bind on earth, Matthew 18, whatever you bind on earth is going to be bound in heaven. Whatever loose on earth, it's going to be loosed in heaven. I'm not talking about things that just, uh, you know, the terms of the covenant, you know, is his covenant. He made it with us. I'm talking about his will, but there's going to be a lot of things happening in our life because we ain't bound that devil and we ain't loose the blessings. Jesus, not me, Jesus said, whatever you bind here on earth in your domain, in your realm, God will make sure that any spiritual things that need to be bound happen. I'm going to say that again. Because there's a lot of oppression we face, depression, and a lot of uh, lies because we just haven't bound the devil. And so things come against us. We need to buy, say in the name of Jesus, I bind that. It will not have, bind means it's been tied up. The hands have been tied up. So he won't have permission to work in my family, my, my life, yeah. my business, my house. Yeah. There's a bloodline, the border of my property. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of this expression, I plead the blood, who's, who's heard it? I plead the blood. All that means is your, your argument against whatever's happening in your, in your life is the covenant that God broke for you and, and sealed it with the blood of Jesus. Yeah. You plead your case, you plead the blood. Yeah. It's not some wacky statement. Yeah. It's actually saying the blood of Jesus has paid for that yeah. and I'm not going to let it happen. Right. So he made covenant with us so he could partner with us. All right? How's that? Is that good? Praise God. And so there were different things that he did. Now, we, we, we got home. Um, I was supposed to give this at the beginning. Without, we, we got home last uh, yesterday, um, and then last night I went to cook some dinner. You know, Linda said, I'm, I'm hungry. That normally means that you're cooking dinner. <laughs> she looked at me and said, otherwise she said, I'm going to make cheese on toast. So 
you know, I had some steak, which I cut it up, and I had uh, those packets of, uh, you can buy, you know, these packets now of herbs, and they have all this, the, you know, you see them, they're expensive, I get them when they're half price, you know, like the $7 normally, but you get a really good sort of Asian or Indian or something meal, they haven't got any Filipino ones yet, they need Filipino packets, you know, so I get it, and I, I get to, uh, you know, normally I let the herbs and spices sort of paste in the in the oil first, and then I'm just soaking there. And I'm looking for my olive oil. Yeah, because it's a young couple cringing down the back here because they know what's going to happen. I'm looking in my cupboard <laughs> through the olive oil, and there was no olive oil there. And I just know I bought some new olive oil because we're running out, and there's no olive oil. And I look through the the cupboards and I look through them where else I might have put it because sometimes I put things in the weirdest places <laughs> you might find it in the fridge or down with the vegetables or you know couldn't find any olive oil I said to Linda do you know where my olive oil is she said do we have it I know I've got some olive oil it's amazing when you're tired I think little things become big issues <laughs> it's rice oil I don't want to use rice oil I don't want to use my drink I want my olive oil I know I had some olive oil and then my thought turned to who might have come and got my olive oil so in a very polite way i texted hey sweetie we've got a group chat between linda me and christian and they said you don't happen to know where my olive oil is you know you've been away for a few days and little random things disappear out of your kitchen like olive oil you know well at least was at work so christian comes up very sleepily would this be it I thought, yeah, that's my olive oil <laughs> Well, it was interesting that Elise wasn't sheepish at all because she's my daughter. Christian's only been in our family for less than a year, so he came up a little bit more sheepish. I didn't mind. There's some things, there's some things that you know, you don't mind. But she's got the right to my resources. All right, yep. she's got my right to my resources because she's my daughter. Yep. They borrow my car, they borrow, it. and when they're gone, we look after their cats. <laughs> That's like, well, God, we're in the covenant with us yeah. so that we can have the right to his resources yeah. Yeah. That's really good. all right so uh, in the, we, we looked at hebrews and i just want to uh let hebrews 6 turn there and um i'll try and give you some time to get there so it's at the end of all of uh, paul's epistles then comes hebrews in hebrews 6 it's quite a complex little verse and i'm um, just looking for the time there and, but we break it down and make it easy, right? We'll start. Um, it's a little introduction he gives. He talks about the covenant and, and the reasons that we have for hope. But he says here uh, in verse. We'll start in verse nine. But beloved, we're convinced of better things. So he's talking about people that have, have really um, fallen away, really. Uh, he said, but beloved, I'm, I'm persuaded of better things, verse 9, concerning you. And, and things concerning or, or that come with salvation. And that although we were speaking, we were warning them of the people that have fallen away. So people fall away just because someone else falls away. is no excuse for you to fall away. Amen? Uh, and so we believe better things. It's like we believe about Redeemer Coast that we are growing exceedingly in faith and abounding in love. Yes. Amen. Abounding in love and growing in faith. So we believe of better things. So he says, I believe better things concerning you. 
Verse 10, for God is not so unjust as to forget your work and the love which you've shown towards his name. <coughs> love which you've shown towards his name. That's a lovely expression, isn't it? Yeah. I love his name. Um, in having ministered and still ministering to the saints, and we desire that each one of you shows the same diligence so as to realize the full assurance of hope until the end. The full assurance of what God has for us will be there. Stay, stick with it, guys. And don't become sluggish, but be imitators by, of uh, those who through faith and patience inherited the promise. There's things happening in your life now which are temporal. They won't stay there. They're temporal. They can move, and very often God moves, it just moves like that. But a lot of the build-up is faith and patience. A lot of the standing, a lot of the believing God's promises is enduring, and then all of a sudden, bang, something happens in half an hour or an hour. You know, Pastor Margaret said to me, someone's just going to come, at Pastor Margaret Court, someone's just going to come and give you money to buy the venue. Oh, I can believe that. Amen. All right. Somebody, she, said, she, she said, there'll be something, yeah. something big. Yeah. You know, buying the venue for us is like a flea on an elephant's back. Yeah. Isn't it? It's like nothing for God. Anyway, then he gives reason for your confidence. And it, the reason he gives is the covenant that we have with God. So when we're running through life and struggling through life or when things come against us or we're having to stand or we're enduring, he says, look to the covenant that you have with God. And then he explains, he says, for when God made a promise to Abraham, since he couldn't swear by anyone else, he swore by himself. So, you know, when... Uh, uh, you know, uh, swearing means to uh, call someone's name or someone's authority to back you up. Well, God didn't have anyone bigger than him. He is who he is. I am who I am. All right. So he actually swore by his name. There was no one greater, so he swore by himself. And he said, surely... I will bless you and I will multiply you. So the, the picture there is that when you when you uh, have a, a covenant with someone and then they, the blessings, it was, well, you keep this covenant, God is going to bless you. You keep this covenant, God is going to pour out his love upon you. You keep this covenant, God is going to bless your finances. God's going to bless your health. But God didn't have anyone else to swear by. So it said, you keep this covenant, I'm going to bless you. So he said, I'm backing my word here. I'm putting my name on line. Yeah. So the, uh, the writer of Hebrews says the reason you have got confidence to stand in this hour is because God's name is on it. Yeah. God signed it. God says, if, if this covenant fails, my name's mud. Not yours, my name. I'm backing it. Yeah. This promise, what I've done for you, I'm backing it. It's my name. A pastor that we, we trained under, Brother Hagen, and he said he didn't want to move to Tulsa. He was happy in Texas. And when they moved to Tulsa to establish their ministry, they were working out of a garage. And then they needed some land, so they, someone found some land uh, in Broken Arrow. And they needed this huge amount of money from millions of dollars. Million, multiple, multiple millions in today's thing. And he said, I didn't lose one wink of sleep over it. 
He said, you got me here, God. He said, this fails, I'm going back home to Texas. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to be here anyway. <laughs> Didn't lose one bank of sleep over it. Didn't fast. You want it, you got to get it. Well, God moves supernaturally. And so Linda and I, we're not going to lose one blink of sleep over our venue. Yeah, that's right. it's, God's got it. You know, if it fails, we'll get in Port Macquarie or something. <laughs> He's not going to fail. <laughs> He's not going to fail. And he says here, he puts his name. He puts his name to his covenant. His promises are backed by his name. Who's your backer? Him. Cut the covenant with Abraham. He walked through it. We have this confidence because his name. So he swore, he said, surely it's me that's going to bless you. It's me that's going to multiply you. And having, having waited patiently, Abraham obtained the promises. He's our model. Abraham had, had amazing, I'm amazed at the faith that Abraham showed. Uh, once he, God had broken covenant with him, he, the things he started to do, once he was convinced that, that God was backing his promise, you know, these people come and kings come and try and knock out his nephew and all that sort of stuff. And he, he just gets up there and wipes them out. <laughs> you know, and, the, and then the people think, well, you're going to get rich from all the money. No, I'm not going to get rich for all the money. So he gave it away and he typed to Melchizedek and said, I'm not going to get rich from all the money. He had this amazing confidence. So uh, the writer of Hebrews is saying, you can have, you can have that same amazing confidence because you know that God swore by his name. And then, you know, God says, I'm going to wipe out Sodom and Gomorrah. And uh, Abraham said, I think we need to chat about that, God. <laughs> well, that's, that's pretty audacious, don't you think? I think we need to have a chat. Because yeah. his family was in there. Yeah. You know, shouldn't have been there. So even when your family's done stupid things, you can still have a chat with them <laughs> about them to God. Because uh, yes. Abraham chatted to God about Lot and his family. He said, God, I think we need to have a chat. Well, what gave him the right? You've got that right. How audacious. You can't talk to God like that. Well, God didn't say, you ignorant fool. He said, talk to me, Abraham. Talk to me. He said, well, if you find 50, God, would you say, maybe I'll save 50. No, I forget the number. If you find 30, you'll ask for it. 20. I think, what do you get down to five or something? 10. Thank you. And really, he probably could have kept on going, but he probably thought, I'm just stretching our relationship. Again. <laughs> you know, just stretching it. So he got audacious. And God expects us. It's an audacious covenant that he's made with us. And, you know, I understand this. You know, we can be there. One day we will be there. But let's start here. Let's start with our job. Let's start with our family. Let's start with our kids. Let's start here and just say, well, Lord, I'm calling this covenant. So he said, these are good reasons for you to stand firm. He said, um, for men swear by one greater themselves, verse 16, and with them an oath given as confirmation that ends every dispute. So, um, so they're having a dispute and uh, they swear, you know, they make an oath. They say, well, uh, God is my witness. Yeah, that's why, you know, in Parliament, they, 
some of them still put their hands on the Bible. Or, or you know, when you go to court, you put your hand on the Bible and you swear by someone greater than you. And what you're really, really doing is you're saying, if I don't tell the truth, uh, it's God that's going to judge me. So God says, if I don't tell the truth, I'm going to judge myself. There's no one left to judge you. The writer of Hebrews says that's why we can have confidence. The situation we're in now, whatever we're facing, we have a covenant-keeping God. It's a sure foundation for our faith because he swore, couldn't swear by anything else. So two things, he made a promise and then swore by himself. And the promise, it says, it goes on to say, it's impossible for God to lie. Verse 17, in the same way God desiring even to show to the heirs of the promise the unchangeableness of his purpose. He wanted to show to the heirs of the promise, that's us, the heirs of this covenant, how unchangeable, unvariable, inflexible is the covenant that he made with Abraham. So he swore by two things. He had two immutable things, right? His oath and his word he swore by himself. It's immutable. There are immutable characteristics of God. Immutable, uh, gentlemen, immutable is like when your wife has made up her mind and she will not be changed. Immutable means God will not be influenced, talked out of it, moved from this position. And he says, this covenant I've made with, it was with Abraham, but it's with me. Because it says, and the heirs, we're heirs of this covenant if we have received Jesus by faith. This covenant was made with us. And the writer of Hebrews says we can have confidence in that because it's immutable. You're not changed. And then he goes on to say, Uh, it is impossible for God to lie. And we who have taken refuge would have strong encouragement to take hold of these things that are set before us. This hope we have as an anchor for our soul. Who knows your mind and your emotions are going to mix up in all this. You know, you're, you're feeling blessed now. You've got the God's word. You're mighty strong now. You get up in the morning, in the morning, <laughs> get up in the morning, and you get up in the morning and you, your soul needs a bit of an anchor. Yeah. You know, well, what am I tied to? Because there's a storm here. Yeah. He says, well, this hope, what hope? That this God's nature is immutable. Yes. Immutable. You can say to the devil, this promise I have is immutable. It won't change. And God's not going to change his mind about blessing me. The blood of Jesus. And then I love this. I love this. He says, this hope we have is the anchor of the soul, sure and steadfast. And we have one which enters within the veil. Jesus has entered as a forerunner for us, having become a high priest forever, according to the order of Melchizedek. And Melchizedek's who Abraham tithed to. I mean, that, that, that priesthood never ends. But he's saying this. We have this hope that goes within the veil. The veil, behind the veil in the temple was the presence of God. And so this covenant we have with God 
walks right into his presence and claims it. Boom. And who is the author? Who is the interceder? Who is the one sure that makes person that makes it happen? Jesus himself. And it's, it, go, it accesses the veil. It cuts through anything which would separate you and God. It doesn't matter. You can't sin bad enough. Oh, no, no, you're pretty good at it. You can't <laughs> sin bad enough to get away to, that, that's going to separate you from God because yeah. this covenant goes through that veil. And our hope is anchored there and in the presence of God, according to his word, in the holy of holies in his presence. This covenant we have is anchored there. Now understand the difference between the old covenant and the new covenant. In the old covenant, the priest, the, the muses can, can get up. In the old covenant, once a year, or if they've been very naughty, more than once a year, the priest would take the blood of the sacrificial lamb into the into the holy of holies. Look away, look at mine, look at me, look away. It's important. Take the and and a sacrificial lamb was slain to represent the shortfalls of everyone. And we know that lamb, of course, eternally has become Jesus who was slain for us. And then the priest would, after cleansing himself and missing and wiping himself down and confessing all his sins, you know, like, <laughs> we, we, uh, our first lecture we had with uh, Reverend Ken Hagen, you know, because some people have offered, offered him prophecy and prophecy and word of knowledge and I know he had for his ministry and Linda and I had been given the front row seats you know like it's about 900,000 and we'd be given front row seats which means he was like where you are you know and that night I just repented of everything I could think of the <laughs> I just went through every possible sin I just believe God I need a clean slate well, you know so the high priest right would just cleanse himself do all the things but in case he missed something, <laughs> or in case he had a bad thought between the time he, he picked up the blood and when he was to take it into, because you go into, you can't go into God's presence sinful. As in, you know, without an atonement, without a way that God's permitted you to get him. So they tie a rope around his ankle, right? And they... He would go behind this huge bale with this rope around his ankle and he had little tinker bells on his coat in case he fell over, you know, and, and, and died, they'd hear it because he'd go and they'd have to pull him out. Alright? So your works, guys, um, in the old covenant, uh, the law anchored it on, on your ability to achieve. Right, and then you exercise faith and you had to believe in, in the atonement that was to come. Because if you weren't good enough, if you weren't good enough, that, uh, you know, the, if the priest uh, had some sin in the nation that wasn't repented of and he fell down dead, that he and they dragged him out to try and resuscitate him before he died. And so uh, the workspace covenant is anchored in the world. It's anchored in our flesh. The other end of that rope was outside. The new covenant is anchored in the presence of God through the blood of Jesus. 
and we go into the world and the rope around our ankle is held by Jesus. The anchor for our soul is in his presence. And when we stumble, if we fall, he drags us back into his presence. He says, this is the anchor. He pulls you in. He says, my blood cleanses you. You're forgiven. Come and spend some time with me. You're righteous. It says in Hebrews, we have this covenant as the anchor for our soul. I'm running out of time. We'll continue next week. But remember this. The reason God made a covenant is because he wanted to partner with you in life. And he made it so you could trust him, you could believe on him. And he says, anchor your life in my presence that you have free access to. And you go down in life and you stumble, you fall and you struggle. And he, he, reel, he reels you in. He reels you in. He says, he is our intercessor. He reels you back into his presence, into his mercy, into his throne of grace. Because that's where our life is anchored. Amen. Praise God.